Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hello, thanks for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Street Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore. I'm the Communications Manager at the National Cannabis Industry Association. Today, I'm happy operators to achieve, maintain, and go beyond compliance with distance education and communication. Caitlin has a passion for working in the environmental protection field and holds a degree in mechanical engineering. She specializes in consulting for the commercial cannabis and craft brewing industries to reduce their environmental impacts. Sounds like a lot of regulations and compliance. Welcome to the show, Caitlin. Thank you so much for having me. Great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking more with you. Typically, our guests are members of NCIA, the actual cannabis licensees and operators and owners. So it's nice to talk to somebody on the state side, uh, handling the regulations and and working with them on compliance. Uh, But before we dive into that, uh, let's learn a little bit more about you, Caitlin. Uh, Tell me more about your background and your experience before getting into working with these these cannabis people. What did you do before all that? Sure. So I have been with the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment for the last 10 years. Uh, Really, I specialize in helping small businesses reduce their environmental impacts. So whether that's complying with regulations or if it's going above and beyond with sustainability and pollution prevention measures. So, you know, prior to working with the cannabis industry, some of the industries that I focused on in the past is assisting the craft brewing industry, dry cleaners, hospitals, schools, auto body shops, print shops, really any small business sector in Colorado that that uses environmental resources as part of their process that can be, you know, reduced through either efficiencies um, or, you know, some in-market solutions. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. I hadn't thought about the dry cleaning side of things or the auto body shops or print shops. There's a lot of chemicals being used in those industries for sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, similar to what we're regulating from an auto body paint shop, it's the it's the solvents, it's the volatile organic compounds that are evaporating into the air. Um, similar solvents are, are used in the processing of marijuana when you're doing extractions to make concentrates and, and similar evaporative um, losses can happen. Makes perfect sense. Great. So, so you're currently focusing on the environmental assistance for these small businesses through the Colorado Department of Public Health. Um, so what's what's your day-to-day like there and, and your role and what does that look like? And what, what are some of the goals of your department this year? Yeah, so really my day-to-day is spent, you know, half of my time is spent responding to requests for assistance from any small business in Colorado, anything related to reducing environmental impacts. Um, 
The other half of my time is spent, you know, rotating through industries of focus and, and doing kind of proactive projects and outreach to that industry to help that industry progress to becoming more environmentally sustainable. So, you know, I, I, I attend different stakeholder meetings. I do site visits. Um, I do a lot of research projects. I'm researching VOC emissions from cannabis plants. Um, I've, I've piloted um, a project where we're reusing CO2 from a brewery in a grow operation. I'm helping NCIA lead an effort and a team of people to write an environmental white paper that um, documents all the environmental impacts, best management practices, and policy considerations that are necessary to move the cannabis industry into being an environmental leader. Yeah, that's great that you're doing work with our policy council. Uh, our director of public policy is Andrew Klein, really brilliant guy, and uh, he, he joined the NCIA team in the last year or so and has been bringing together the best and brightest minds from all over the industry, uh, from law enforcement, from state departments like your own, uh, to create these policy recommendations for the cannabis industry, not at just the state level, even though that's your role, really trying to find these, uh, identify these best practices, identify these regulatory paths uh, that makes sense for the future of our industry. So yes, very much appreciate having having your your brain and your intellect contributing to these efforts. Um, so we're looking forward to seeing the environmental sustainability paper come out in the future as well. Um, so I, I wonder if you have a reason for working with the cannabis industry personally, other than you know, it's it's a new industry in Colorado. We're doing lots of job creation. I'm just just wondering why you got involved in helping cannabis and, and how that entrance from dry cleaning and hospitals and the brew industry shifted into working with cannabis companies. Sure. So cannabis um, is, a, is an emerging industry here in Colorado. You know, we were one of the early states to legalize, um, certainly the, the first to legalize recreationally. Um, and, and along with the way that we legalized, it created a small business sector. Here in Colorado, there's not, um, there's not a lot of uh, large investment um, in cannabis. It, it's, it's kind of on an individual basis. Might have to edit that. I don't know the best way to say that. Um, so anyways, these the cannabis sector is primarily a small business sector. It's a growth sector here in Colorado, and it has a high resource usage. It uses a lot of energy. It uses a lot of water. It generates significant amount of waste. And so, you know, my role at the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment is to help new industries and existing industries just reduce their environmental impacts in the way that they operate. And so what really led us to working with cannabis um, is actually the unknown aspect of it. It's such a new industry, um, not only for our state, but you know, the, the nation and, and the world in a regulated fashion and understanding what all of those impacts are. And one of the unique way, things that we did with our regulations here in Colorado is we sort of forced all cannabis cultivation indoors. Um, and with that, um, with zoning and a, and a couple of other compounding factors, most of our cannabis is, is grown in uh, urban areas, like in our city centers and warehouses. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so that co-location of being next to existing sources um, of pollution, so like cars and power plants um, and all these other industrial sources, when you add cannabis as an industry into that mix, what is the overall impact on air quality? Um, and, and really here in Colorado, our main focus for air quality is ozone. And ozone is formed when two types of pollution, volatile organic compounds and nitrogen oxide mix in the presence of sunlight to form ground level ozone. Cannabis naturally emits uh, volatile organic compounds as it grows in the form of terpenes. Mm. Huh. So the unknown is what's the extent of that impact? Okay, so even the green plants growing in a cultivation facility, just growing, reaching up to the sky, they themselves are are emitting things into the air. Is that right? Correct. So just, um, and that's true of all plants. Um, so as they grow, they naturally emit terpenes. Terpenes are what are traditionally associated with that strong marijuana smell. Mm-hmm. And, and so, flavor, yes. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, the, that terpene profile um, can be a mix of pinene, limonene, myrcene, terpinoline. Those natural terpenes are also found in, you know, like pinene is found in pine trees, limonene is fine, found in lemons. But the difference between, you know, these cannabis terpenes and other agricultural terpenes is the location of them. We have basically relocated a forest of cannabis into our urban environment um, where those nitrogen oxide or combustion emissions are highest. And so we have this ambient level of pollution that already exists in the city center. When you add this new level of natural terpenes, even though they're natural, when they're being emitted in the uh, city center, those natural terpenes then have that secondary reaction to form ground level ozone, which is toxic. So, um, you know, and it's, it's important to point out because cannabis cultivation is an agricultural activity, agricultural activities are exempt from air quality regulations. So, you know, this research that we're doing to try to quantify what is the VOC emission rate of, of cannabis as it grows is not regulatory, <clears throat> pardon, is not regulatorily driven. It's driven by just quantifying the unknown. And then once we know the extent of the impact, it can really feed into better control strategies. Currently, the best control strategy out there is carbon filtration, but that only works in, you know, a controlled warehouse environment. If you're in an outdoor cultivation or a greenhouse that has more open air ventilation, you're not controlling that airflow through those filters. And it's, it's just by design, not a possibility. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. Thanks for explaining explaining that semi-technical uh, view on on how that works and how things are mixing with what's already in the air, which which could have negative impacts on us all. Great. All right, we're going to take one quick commercial break here, and then we'll be right back to chat more with Caitlin Urso from the Colorado Department of Public Health. Stay tuned. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. 
Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. The cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace, progressing toward the green peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur, as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. The Green Peak with Richard Zwicky. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, with NCIA, and we're chatting with Caitlin Urso from the Colorado Department of Public Health. She's working with NCIA and our policy council on some research and and a paper that we're planning to publish soon about environmental sustainability and impacts in cannabis. So let's talk more about your work with the cannabis industry here in Colorado, um, you know, noting other states can take note here for themselves as well. Uh, let's start with your cannabis VOC emissions study. Sure. So, you know, as I said, our, the VOC emissions study is really about quantifying what does the cannabis industry's influence on ozone formation in Colorado, given the way that we regulate it and and the way that it was legalized and just where the locations of our cultivations are. There's about 60 to 70% of marijuana cultivation in Colorado happens within our Denver metro area, kind of our our urban dense area um, where ozone's more of a concern. And so understanding what types of terpenes the plants are emitting as they naturally grow, and in what quantities will really help us understand overall how to control that ozone issue here in Colorado and how to best inform the cannabis industry on what they can do to control their impacts. Um, if, if cannabis was grown in a traditional agricultural setting, you know, far away from the city center, these VOCs would not be as much of an interest to us because they don't have that opportunity to react with combustion emissions to form that ground level ozone. I think it's fascinating that the terpenes emitted from the plants, uh, you know, of course, things evolve and change and react with other chemicals. I guess I just never went that far in my head to think about terpenes emitting off of plants mixing with these other things already in the air and the potential 
dangers that could pose to our environment. That is kind of blowing my mind and I'm still wrapping my head around that. And I'd love to learn more about that in the future for sure. Um, It's complicated chemistry, um, but it's important to understand that, you know, the, the volatile organic compounds coming off of cannabis are natural VOCs them on the by themselves they're not a direct threat to human health or the environment it's when they react in the atmosphere with these other types of pollution when they become a heightened issue wow wow great um well not great but interesting for sure so another project uh, you've done is surrounding the co2 capture and reuse project and i actually did a, a podcast interview a few weeks ago with a CO2 expert recently. So this ties kind of nicely into that if somebody wants to take a deep dive. Um, tell me more about that project. Yeah, so the CO2 capture and reuse project um, was really focused around reducing CO2 emissions um, because CO2 is a greenhouse gas and contributes to climate change. Now, in a separate industry, craft brewing industry, um, the last step in brewing beer is fermentation. That's when you add in in the yeasts um, to your your basically your sweet beer tea that was made from grains. And when you add in yeast, the the fermentation process creates two things. It creates alcohol and then it creates CO2 as a byproduct. We want the alcohol within the beer, but the CO2 needs to be vented because with how much CO2 is produced in that process, if you were to keep it within that tank, the tank would explode. It'd become too pressurized. <clears throat> so typical process in a craft brewery is just to vent that excess CO2. Well, breweries also then in the final, you know, after fermentation in the packaging process, they add CO2 back into the beer for packaging so that it, it's carbonated. Mm-hmm. Um And so, you know, that's where Earthly Labs comes in. It's a technology company that um, caters to craft breweries and helps them capture their own CO2 off of fermentation tanks, um, compress it and store it for reuse in the carbonation phase. Um, However, breweries create way more CO2 than they actually need within their own process. And so instead of, you know, only capturing what they need and continuing to vent the rest, I saw an opportunity to bring, you know, a collaborative effort in with the cannabis industry um, so that cultivators could reuse that excessive CO2 captured from the brewery within the cultivation environment to supplement plant growth. Because when you take the cannabis plant indoors and condense its life cycle outdoors, you know, its life cycle can be multiple um, months, you know, six to nine months on, on the long end. Um, you're condensing that life cycle down to maybe two to four months within an indoor cultivation environment, but that plant still needs all the same elements um, within that condensed time frame as if it, to complete its full life cycle. So it uses CO2 for the photosynthesis process to convert uh, you know, carbon to energy, and then it breathes out the oxygen. And so oftentimes cultivators will increase CO2 levels within the flowering room to supplement that plant growth in a condensed time frame. So all we're really doing here is capturing excess CO2 emissions from the craft brewery that's created during that last fermentation process of natural yeast eating the sugars and then the byproduct of CO2. We're putting it in a tank and then we're shipping that tank over to the marijuana cultivation and using it as their source of CO2. Um, In both cases, this CO2 supply is 
replacing a traditional CO2 supply, which comes from an outside supplier, which is usually delivered, you know, on a large truck um, that makes multiple stops and it can be a byproduct of other industries like captured from um, oil and gas extraction processes or a byproduct of combustion at a power plant. Wow, that's that's a really smart thing to see. Uh, and I, I was thinking of the phrase steal from Peter to pay Paul, but it's not exactly that. It's, it's not taking anything someone else needs for somebody else. They literally had excess of something and yeah. Yes. It's just recognizing the value within our waste streams and converting it into a commodity. I mean, the craft brewery has always had these excessive CO2 emissions, mm-hmm. um, but now not only are they capturing them for the environmental benefit, they're capturing it for economic benefit, right? Not yeah. only now do they sell beer um, to all of their consumers, they now sell CO2 to the marijuana industry. <laughs> That's brilliant. Awesome. Great to see opportunities like that and to connect the dots. And it kind of only makes sense since hops and the cannabis plant are cousins in in the plant world. So they may as well kind of work together. I think that works nicely. (laughs) I loved working on that project. It was so fun um, for me to, you know, jumping from industry to industry to really find an opportunity for the two collaborate together. Um, it, it was just a, a great experience and there was benefits for the cultivation as well. It's a, it's a cheaper source of CO2. It's also, you know, a more local source. They're buying it from a, a local small business rather than a large supplier. Um, and it really cuts their, their operational costs at the marijuana cultivation as well. Brilliant. Yeah. I bet that felt like a light bulb moment when, when you connected the dots there. <laughs> oh, it was so exciting. It was so exciting. <laughs> Good day, um, I, good day. I had to I had to convince um, Earthly Labs, the technology supplier that like the, of the opportunity and um, they were wonderful to work with as well. They they saw it too. And, and luckily they ran with my crazy idea and didn't just write me off as that crazy. <laughs> Not <laughs> so crazy. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Good job. Good work with that. Um, So we have about a minute and a half before our first commercial break, um, but I definitely want to talk about some best practices that business owners listening to this episode can think about starting to do now in order to reduce their energy and waste. And we'll have to get into some of this after the commercial break, but I think things business owners can do uh, just to make little tweaks here and there to save money, as you pointed out, or um, or increase environmental sustainability. Um, that ranges from your energy usage to uh, what we're doing with plant waste. Uh, there's there's just so much to think about. This the CO two recapture that you mentioned before is fascinating. So when we come back from the commercial break, uh, we're going to talk more about that. Um, I had a quick thought while we were talking. I I have to wonder how this COVID crisis, this pandemic is, it's awful, um, but people are trying to find silver linings. And one with 50% less cars on the road and many factories temporarily shutting down, that would be, you know, emitting all kinds of harmful chemicals into the air. I have to wonder if, you know, Mother Earth is getting a little bit of a breather right now and uh, getting an opportunity to 
um, clean up, clean up some of the air and ozone. Do you have any thoughts about that? I mean, is this, is this just me trying to look for a silver lining? <laughs> Absolutely. It is a concrete silver lining. Um, we have seen great improvements in air quality, um, not only at the local level here in Colorado, but at the national level and internationally. I mean, with everybody staying at home and sheltering in place and taking advantage of remote working opportunities, we have seen immense impacts. Um, we're seeing drops in, in ozone concentrations. We're seeing drop, drops in nitrogen oxide concentrations, volatile organic com, uh, compound concentrations. Um, we're, we're definitely seeing global um, air quality, you know, improvements from this stay-at-home, you know, experience through COVID. So, there is a small silver lining for, for environmental from it. And I think that one thing that we can all really take away from this is that all those small decisions do add up at a personal level and at a business level. You know, I think that this, um, this virus experience and living through this pandemic has really demonstrated to us that, you know, if we all collectively work together, that our small incremental changes in lifestyle really add up to environmental benefits. I'll take what I can get. Thanks for that. All right, we're going to take our last commercial break and then we'll be right back to chat with to chat with Caitlin. Stay tuned. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. It could be you could be 80 years old or eight years old. You can still learn something that's gonna make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better. The concierge for better living with Doc Rob. Only on cannabisradio.com. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put different celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Hemping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. I said palm tree, make California. Yo, 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 this your boy, TJ. Shrimp that James. You listen to Dr. Bina on Cannabis Confidential. L.A., what up? People were so excited to see you supporting our industry, and it's so important to see people who are mainstream, who are out there, that people look up to. That was my first one ever going to, so that was definitely a big deal for me. It's not just, oh man, just come smoke a bunch of joints. It's a lot of science into it. It's way more interesting than a lot of people might think who look down, per se, on what we enjoy. Cannabis Confidential, only on CannabisRadio.com.
Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio, and we're chatting with Caitlin Urso from the Colorado Department of Public Health. Lots of information to share in this episode. So uh, let's pick back up as we wrap the show here on some best practices that business owners can take away from this episode and maybe apply in their businesses to reduce their energy and waste. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, so for cannabis cultivation, the the largest energy loads are going to come from your lighting um, and your HVAC. And so anything that you can do to upgrade those systems and make them work together in harmony, um, you're going to see large environmental benefits and also economic benefits um, from doing that. You know, uh, one of the great things that, that businesses can do that won't cost them a thing even before they consider, you know, upgrades is rescheduling your equipment around peak demand. Um, Peak demand is for industrial energy users. They get charged differently than residential users. And when the grid is stressed at the most, when everybody's using energy all at the same time, like say first thing in the morning as we're all starting up our operations or end of the day, um, the, the grid is stressed at capacity. And so they have to engage less efficient power generating units um, at the power plants to make up for that extra load. And so that's why you end up getting charged more at those times. Well, if you can schedule your equipment around those peak demand loads and not start everything up all at the same time and sort of level off your energy usage, you can save upwards of 20 to 30% on your energy bills as a cultivator. So what that looks like in reality is instead of, you know, first thing 8 a.m. in the morning, having all of your lights come on at the same time in all of your rooms and stressing your HVAC systems to, you know, work against the heat of the day. Can we schedule the rooms on staggered schedules? Can we have different, um, you know, maybe we do the light cycle at night instead of during the day when it's in the heat of the summer so that we're not combating those outside um, elements. There can be a lot to be done to save energy Um, before you take on those capital improvements. I mean, even just making sure that you have enough fans to create a uniform environment. And then really consider, you know, your space considerations as well. Do you have rolling benches so that you're not lighting aisleways um, when they're unnecessary? Um, Can you consider vertical farming so that you, um, you know, you're taking up, you're using your space better for your energy footprint? Then moving on to to you know waste, one of the the biggest waste streams from cannabis cultivation is plant waste. Um, and can we have more sustainable solutions for plant waste? You know you can't address plant waste though in the marijuana industry without talking about the the regulatory hurdle of having to mix all plant waste has to be mixed with fifty percent non marijuana waste. Um, before it can leave the licensed premise. That really creates a barrier to composting because you have to come up with 50% organic waste stream to add to your your marijuana waste before it can be composted. Um, Yeah, it it can be difficult. And then there's also, you know, other waste streams to be addressed in the cannabis industry, packaging waste. But again, you have these regulatory barriers that... um, you know, ensure childproof packaging that creates packaging that's maybe not as as sustainable in multiple layers of packaging and it's hard to recycle. Um, Mm -hmm. 
So there's there's a lot that can be done, um, you know, and then just being mindful of the different waste streams that comes out of a cannabis cultivation and how they should be handled. Like spent solvents, like spent isopropyl alcohol becomes hazardous waste. Um, electronics and batteries should be, you know, recycled as e electronic waste. Uh, then there's also, you know, mercury um, containing light bulbs and ballast that need to be make sure that those are uh, disposed of properly and sustainably. Yeah, a lot of little things to to consider as well as big things. So um, I'm sure a lot of these recommendations are going to come out in NCIA's Policy Council paper that you're contributing uh, with on with Andrew Klein, our Director of Public Policy. So um, keep an eye out, listeners, for that white paper uh, that'll be coming out. And of course, NCIA is also providing a lot of extra resources for everyone during this time ranging from COVID-19 specific practices to just ways to run your business and other kinds of education uh, like webinars. We have increased our webinar offering every week and some are members only. So if you're a current NCIA member, be sure to take advantage of that benefit. Uh, for more information about all of our resources, be sure to head to our website, www.thecannabisindustry.org. Check out our, our policy council section of our website with past white papers. And of course, new ones are added as they're finished and published. Uh, thanks again for joining me on the show today, Caitlin. It was really nice to learn more about what you're doing and the efforts with the cannabis industry and and crossing them over with the brewing industry. Um, so thank you so much for your work and for working with us at NCIA on this white paper. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Um, it's been great work. I, the cannabis industry um, has been excellent to work with as an emerging industry. Um, I, I am so proud to see how dynamic and adaptive the industry is. Um, you know, as a whole, you guys are dealing with varying regulatory landscapes that are constantly evolving and adapting to it. And I think that, you know, the industry still finding a value in, in environmental sustainability and having that willingness and the want to do things better and, and being hungry for that education um, really speaks to the forward thinking nature of the industry. And I really do think that, um, you know, folks take the recommendations and, and, and all of the impacts um, that are coming out in this new white paper and, and really educate themselves on it, that you guys can position yourselves to be a leader in environmental sustainability, which is something to really be proud of. Totally agree. Thanks again. And thanks everybody for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.